Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Joey Nagel, and we have some news. Heim Bloom has been fired by the Boston Red Sox. Joey, how you feeling on this fine Thursday afternoon? Uh, feeling good, feeling relieved. Uh, look, I, I I tried to rationalize with Heim plenty of times, and I was on his side at one point, but um, the milk was spoiled, and we left it in the fridge for about four years. So <laughs> glad it's over. Very happy. It's a new direction for this franchise. We needed the change. Um, we'll break it down later. Later, We'll get into the specifics. But when I got that news, my heart started racing. And I was in class. I walked out of that class. I was too. Smile. I was very happy. Um, obviously, it's a change that needed to be made. And I think we share very similar views on this move, as should the rest of Red Sox Nation. Uh, the Bluminati. See you later. Go touch grass. <laughs> Take your calculators, your pencils, your pocket protectors. Get out of here. Go back to Tampa. Go home. We don't want you here anymore. I'm glad that those Heim fanboys are, are are gone. They don't have to be here anymore. Um, side note, I was on the Section 10 Reddit 38 days ago, and I made a post saying, a very detailed post saying, um, that now is the time to move on from Heim Bloom because he did everything he needed to do. He built the farm system and he got this team under the luxury tax. I made a couple points saying, you know, like this is the perfect like dream scenario for an incoming GM. And then I got zero upvotes on that and 36 replies all by the Bloom lovers saying, what do you mean? It's, it's an incoming GM's dream scenario. I'm built this. It's his time to cook. No, it's not. He had opportunities. We'll get into that later. But um, I spent this afternoon going through those Reddit posts and replying saying, I was right. <laughs> I'm a child, but I, I'm happy about it. I win. I always do. <laughs> I always do. It's a new era in Boston. Um, real quick, I you said you were in class. I got the the tweet notification from Jeff Passan at like twelve twenty seven. My class starts at twelve thirty, so I was sitting there. I, I get the notification, and my heart skips a beat. And I'm like, oh, and then I just jump on to Google, get out a picture of Heim Bloom, toss it up there, put a post out. Um, it's I I. We, we went back and forth on this podcast talking about, is he going to go? Is Cora going to go? Is anyone going to go? What's going to happen at the end of the season? If they do fire Heim, when's it going to be? Uh, I was not expecting it to be September 14th uh, at 1230 p.m., but here we are. And I I like the urgency. I like the, the fact that they did it now instead of waiting till the offseason. There's just no reason to wait around. You, you mentioned something about milk, and that made me think um, – it's not that Heim Bloom is bad at his job. He did his job. He had an expiration date, and I guess it's today. But like you said, and like we've been saying, Heim Bloom came here with one main goal. You can say two main goals if you add in to, to be the scapegoat for the Mookie thing. But his main goal was to um, build what was a bottom five farm system into what is now a top five farm system. That's the reality. He did his job. He got us prospects. He got us 
Uh, Marcelo Meyer in the draft. He got us a ton of great prospects from small little trades and from he's had some great draft picks. Kyle Teal, the catcher, very recently. He's done what he was brought here to do. And that's why I've been saying all along, there, there's no reason for bad blood or bad feelings towards Heim Bloom because he, he didn't come here to win championships. He came here to build the future of this franchise and to set us up to win championships in the future. And now we got to that point where this season, yeah, we're, we're not looking at making the playoffs right now, but we saw a lot of good things like Alex Corris talked about, and we've set ourselves up to be ready to compete as soon as next year. We got guys like Casas and Bayo who have broken out. You, he went out and signed Yoshida and Justin Turner and these different guys to kind of make out this team. And I think we're, we're a few good arms in the, in the rotation and some defensive um, solutions away from being competitive next year. And I think that firing Heim Bloom is the first step in becoming um, the, the new Boston Red Sox, entering the new era of the Boston Red Sox, where we get back to the original goal or, or the big goal of winning World Series. That's what Sam Kennedy talked about in his um, press conference today. I'm just going to play a clip from that. We're aiming for World Series championships. Um, that's it. That's the aim. That's the goal. That's why we're here. We're here to win championships. Our fans deserve World Series championships. Championships, World Series, championships, championships. He mentioned it like five times within 10 seconds there. I love that. As a fan of the Red Sox, you have to love that because that shows that ownership is committed to trying to win again, trying to get back into the playoffs, back to the World Series, and bring home another World Series trophy. There's nothing you could want more from your ownership than to come out and say that uh, and come out and you move on. You take the training wheels off. You move on from the guy that was here to get prospects. And now you open yourself up. Let's bring in a big name. Let's spend some money. Let's compete. Let's get back to the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when Haim was first hired four years ago, he, he was a question mark. He, you know, it was a big promotion for him. He was an assistant. Um to all the people down there in Tampa. But um, when he took this job, he was, he had no prior experience being a president of baseball ops or GM or whatever. So it was a position where they expected him to grow. It's kind of like bringing in a young player. Um, I would say it, it's almost like bringing in. Um, well, I think it's like a prospect, comparison. right? It, yeah. It's like a prospect, but it's like bringing in doll bet. Okay, it's like bringing up Bobby Dahlbeck to fill the first base gap that a proven veteran like Mitch Moreland had left. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like any prospect, you're expecting Heim to grow, to evolve, to fill into that position. We knew that he was good at prospects and building a farm system, but you were hoping that he could, you know, come to a market where he had more capital to spend and invest in these free agents and extend the players and build a roster kind of like the Dodgers. He, I remember in his introductory press conference, he said, we want to be like the Dodgers sustain success every year, building a farm while also spending money. And ultimately that the second half of that didn't happen. He was really good at developing the farm, but you gave him the money and he didn't know what to do with it. There were plenty of cases, obviously um, the Mookie stuff comes to mind, but you know, the, the trade deadline last year is ultimately, I think, what 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 did him in because they were, you know, set to get under the luxury tax and reset a year early so that they could spend that money on Bogarts as well as the free agent class of last year, which was a pretty good class. Um, 
I don't, you know, he, he kind of half-assed it half measure um, didn't go one direction or the other, which is what he did for most of his tenure here. And yeah. that's ultimately, I think what set the chain reaction of getting him yeah. fired because you don't have the money. You don't have the money to, to extend Bogarts and, you know, that's a mess. I think that was really the last straw, um, letting a guy like Bogarts go. And uh, he ultimately just didn't pan out as that prospect. He didn't grow in to a well-rounded GM who could identify young talent, develop a farm, but supplement it with building a, or with building a team around free agents and extending guys. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, though. I agree with you, but I, I like the spot that we're in now. I think that um, a Dave Dombrowski was not going to bring in these young guys. There's different types of GMs, just like there's different types of players who play different roles. Heinblum's role was develop the farm, and he did that. Now you bring in some guy who can get back to winning, and he'll do that, just like Dave Dombrowski did that when he came into Boston, won us that World Series, was one of the best teams of all time. Um, the whole kind of trying to balance it and trying to sustain winning that whole thing. I don't know how possible that is. At least there's like very select few GMs who can do that. That's why not every can't do that. Yeah. That's why not every team can do it. Not every right. team operates like the Dodgers. It is, it is extremely right. hard to execute. But I mean, if you look at the players and you look at the, the system that we have now, GM aside, we have the core and the talent to have sustained winning over the next 10 years, because we have, Great young talent at the major league level. Great young talent in AAA, AA, single A. Guys that we just drafted. Guys that have been in the farm for a few years. It's it's a great spot to be in. Um, and, and while you have all this young talent, you're not too far away from winning at the major league level. That's what Sam Kennedy also said he wanted to do: is win at the major league level. And I think they're close to that. Um, I mean, you talked about Heim Bloom's off season or not off season trade deadline last year, where. You had Nathan Avaldi, Michael Waka, JD Martinez. They were all going to be free agents. You traded none of them. You missed the playoffs, and then you were over the luxury tax. By, that, I think you were over the luxury tax by I think it was four million dollars, which is just not acceptable. It was something small. Yeah, a small trade would have really helped there. Well, and he just failed to do that. Yeah, they had a deal with the Mets in place to trade JD, which right. would have gotten them under. But Heim Bloom, which is something that he was known for he's very stubborn when it comes to returns on trades he you know he makes you know he helps in that glasnow that famous glasnow trade and he kind of operates every trade scenario like that he is there's a reason not many transactions were made under his tenure with the red sox because he was so stubborn and did would not budge and i actually i listened to what carabas was talking about earlier today he obviously has inside connections he was talking about how other agents and GMs didn't even like picking up the phone for Bloom, which is he's just trying to scam you. <laughs> yeah, it's he's literally a scam caller. In, in it's like League. that. It's like that one guy in everyone's fantasy football league who's trying to he's trying to get like Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley for like Kendrick Bourne. And you're like, that's not going to happen, pal. He's like just trying to scam you. It's like and he just keeps sending it over and over again. It's yeah. like just different variations of the for, same thing. Yeah, like Christian McCaffrey for like. Damian Harris and then he'll just <laughs> exactly in these players he'll give you he'll offer like four guys who are projected six for one guy who's projected 24 and exactly say, see 24 to 20 it's an even deal 
He just tries to get in your head like that. You you see Heim Bloom's name on the phone, and you're like, ah, I'm not picking that up. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I like the spot that we're in. Um, were you shocked that they did it while the season was still going on instead of waiting for the season to end in just a couple weeks? I'm actually not because when they fired Dombrowski, I believe that was in late August, early September. Yeah, it was. They fired Charrington. It was around the same time, too. Um, I'm actually surprised it was this late in the season. I would have expected that, you know, shortly after the trade deadline, uh, that they they would make that decision. And then when they didn't, I figured, oh, they're going to play out the string, let him take care of that last year of his contract that was upcoming. And you know, this off season is the make or break, even though we were saying last season, last off season was a make or break. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, this off season absolutely is a make or break. I just don't, it's not going to be for him. <laughs> no. Um, and it, it's great because, you know, we're in a very good position, a fantastic farm system. And we've talked about this before. We have a lot of prospects who are blocked at certain positions. Like yes. is Nick York, he's probably blocked because you have, Trevor Story at shortstop, Marcelo Meyer, who could slide in at second base. You know, guys like that need to be traded soon. They're getting very close to major league ready. Their value is starting to plateau. You got to go down. The, yeah, you got to strike while the iron's hot. And yeah, um, that was something that we asked Heim Bloom to do many, many times, uh, but he never did. There was no real conviction um, when when going about that, he would hoard those prospects to where they would expire. Like Bobby Dahlbeck, yes. you know, even after We're still his with first, the team. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last off season, you know, you're out of options on him. He's proven that he can be good at the major league level, but he probably needs a change of scenery. And, you know, Heim Bloom was too, too stubborn um, in potential deals. Cause there were definitely teams that wanted Bobby Dahlbeck. That's oh, just for one sure. example. Um, yeah. But, yeah, um, I think my expectations for this offseason have gone up exponentially since the news broke because I'm expecting a lot of money to be thrown around. I'm expecting them to be right in on the Yamamoto sweepstakes. He's going to get who's going to get probably upwards of 200, 250 million dollars. I'm expecting us to land him. Um, I'm also expecting us to make a huge trade, a Chris Sale type. Yes, trade. yes. Um, now because we have the prospect capital. And it's like we said, the value is starting to plateau. You got to make that splash. We're under the luxury tax. So the next three years, we can spend like crazy. It doesn't matter. Um, so I think, you know, we've entered a new three year window where like we have a pretty solid team this year, but we can be a, a fantastic team next year. We can contend not only for the division, but for a World Series as soon as next year. Um, yeah. We haven't really I, I talked mean... about the young guys coming up now, but. That's also a good sign. Like we said, we have a lot of flexibility in the outfield. Alex Verdugo is going to get traded. There are so many different moves that are going to be made this offseason that I'm excited to see whoever this new face is going to be to pull those moves off, get it done, and ultimately bring us back to the top. Yeah, I think that the word you just used right there, exciting, I think that is the best word uh, to describe how Red Sox fans are feeling right now because you have been a team – in a big market, Boston, that has played and uh, operated business like a small market team. Everyone talked about how Heimblum came from Tampa Bay 
and everyone called us the Tampa Bay Red Sox because we we operated like we didn't have money. We operated like we were a small market team when we're not. We're the Boston Red Sox. And I, I think it's exciting, the idea and the optimism that we're going to be back to being a big name team. Like we're going to be the Boston Red Sox again, where when we had Dave Dombrowski in the offseason, I remember the Red Sox were in on every top guy. With the whole, and then they signed J.D. Martinez, one of the top free agents in that free agent class because they were willing to cough up the money and go out there and land one of the big fish. I'm very excited to be that team again. And I hope, I hope I'm not too optimistic too early. Obviously we have to see what actually happens before we can get too excited. But based on what they're saying, based on the fact that they're moving on from Heim Bloom, I think it's pretty fair to think that the Red Sox are going to be a team that's in on the big guys again. Um, especially if they're in the mindset that they want to win a world series to win a world series, you have to give a little bit. You have to trade some prospects. You have to give up some money. You have to give up something in order to get that talent back that wins you a championship. And I'm excited to see what it is because like you said, we do have log jams at positions in the farm system. We have guys who have been down there for a while. And right now with a top five farm system, I think it's even top three. They have prospects to spare. And because not all your prospects are going to be the future of your team in, in the starting rotation or in the starting lineup. Some of them are trade pieces. And so Heim Bloom wasn't going to trade him. The next guy coming in, I think a big part of his role is going to be trade some of these prospects and get some legit major league talent in the door. Um, I think we talked about it last episode. The number one priority is going to be the starting rotation. So you talked about Yamamoto as an option. Um, I think the Red Sox will for sure be on, in on him. I think Blake Snell is going to be a free agent. He's trending towards winning the Cy Young in the NL this year. Uh, I think he he would be a great option. I mean, it's hard to not want a guy like that on your team. Corbin Burns as a trade target with the Brewers. I would love Corbin Burns in the Red Sox rotation. I think that is very similar to the Chris Sale trade. Um, Absolutely. So I, I like the options and I like having options. I like the idea that these are real possibilities and it's not like, oh, Heim's never going to do that. Anything is possible right now. And that's really exciting as a fan. Damn right, KG. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it's nice. It's refreshing because after this move has been made, it, it you know, we've kind of tricked ourselves the past couple off seasons into this false optimism that ultimately yeah. never passed out but now having a change at the helm it it truly makes me feel a lot more confident that the red sox are going to do what they did in the past um you know like going into last offseason i was optimistic but ultimately you don't think that a chris sale type trade like a a, a groundbreaking trade like that would would go down um but you know depending on who it is I hope we don't hire another one of those Tampa guys. I don't uh, think we will. Honestly. I don't think so either. Uh, that was an experiment. You know, no one had ever brought in a raised guy to a big market with a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, it, it ultimately didn't work, but I'm looking at a list right now of potential replacements for Heim Bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll rip off a couple of the notable names. Yeah. So at the top is obviously Wait. Alex. Yeah. Just real quick, I want to say that Sam Kennedy ruled out Theo Epstein, so that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Theo's my guy. I love Theo. I he explicitly said it will not be Theo Epstein, <laughs> but I'm gonna choose to ignore that. Yeah, I'm gonna ignore that. He there you go. He was obviously confusing him with 
someone else. Um, oh, yeah, it had to be another Theo. He, he meant to say it, it is not going to be Bloom. We will not be right. rehiring him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a couple of potential replacements for Bloom at the yep. top of the list is Alex Cora. We've mm-hmm. talked about this in the past. I think it would work um, if I mean, Boston fans know we're in a very similar position that the Celtics were a couple of years ago when they made that move, firing Danny Ainge and replacing him with Brad Stevens. It was the front office needed a shakeup, but also on the field, you need a bit of a change. I still think Alex Cora is a fantastic manager, but like we've said in the past, he says he's not going to manage forever. He doesn't want to manage for that much longer. He's got a guaranteed contract to manage the team next year. Obviously there are ways around it. Yeah. I just want to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just going to say one thing about that. Um, Alex Cora complained a lot about this season about the roster construction. He was very openly critical about that. And I think lack of depth caused some of the bad managerial decisions he made because he didn't have a choice, especially with the bullpen. His hands were tied. He didn't have options out there or with the rotation. So I think I, I don't want Cora fired. I think that at least give him another year because under a new GM, you give him a better roster construction and a competitive mindset and see what he can do. If it's still not a great fit after next year, then you can move on. But I don't see any reason why not to let him ride out the contract, give him one more year under a new GM because you saw how he was with Dombrowski in 2018. He was one of the best managers in the game. So I I think it's totally fair to give him another shot under a new GM with a whole new mindset. Absolutely. Or you could just let him be the GM and construct that roster to what he believes. That too. That too. Um, I don't hate that. I kind of like when teams promote from within because that mindset stays the same. So if Alex exactly. Cora team philosophy up to the top, he's getting to pick uh, whoever it could be, Ramon Vasquez, the bench coach, or even like someone like Jason Veritek, right. who has the same mindset, the same um outlook on the game as he does to where he can build the roster for them and he knows that they're going to manage to the way that he would like this roster to be managed so plus he saw firsthand what the problems were and what needed to be addressed so i don't think there's anyone better than alex cora to know what needs to be done yeah um i don't hate the option i think it's a very solid one if they announce at the end of the season alex cora will be moving to the gm position I think that's perfectly fine. I think the fans would be happy with that because, you know, it's not the same, but he is the GM of a Puerto Rican team in the offseason. So he he has experience, but he he's a fantastic baseball mind. So yeah, if you can keep Alex Cora in the system for as many years as you can, that's a good thing. Another option I'm seeing here, James Click. He was the GM of the Astros. I feel like that's another solid option. He's a he's got the Tampa background. But also they fired him. Was he fired? No, he wasn't fired due to the cheating scandal. But whatever. I don't know if they would want to go with the Astros route. But it's another good possibility. Another one is Sam Fold. He's a Tampa guy. Um, analytics. He's he's Dombrowski's right-hand man with the Phillies right now. So that's why I could see that happening. He's Young kind guy, of, recently a player. Yeah, exactly. Um Another one is Mike Hazen with the Diamondbacks. He used to be in this front office. That's used to a good be one. here. I, I like liked him too. Yeah. Um, whether you could lure him away from Arizona is another question, though, because they look pretty good. Yeah, um, tough time for that. 
Yeah, I'm seeing it like no other notable names. It's a bunch of guys with like the twins and the guardians. The there's this guy Ben Sistanovich from the Braves. I don't know who he is, but he's with the Braves. That if he's cool. from the Braves, bring him from over. I don't Braves. care who he is. I don't even care if he sounds like he's a made up person like that guy. Bring him over. Yeah, hey, if we bring someone here from the Braves, we can extend costs for like twenty five years and two dollars total. Exactly. So, yeah. Um. Gift yeah. Card, like, obviously, there there are a lot of names. They said that they're going to be very thorough in their search. Blah blah blah. And broad. Yes, very broad. So, uh, well, one thing I want to say is I don't think there's there's no Dave Dombrowski. There's no big name guy who's been there, done that. That's going to come in and be one of the top executives in the league. Um, like that's just not out there right now. So, I think it's going to be a guy that we may have not heard much about, or a guy that is relatively um new to being in that high of a level of power but i think i think that personally i have no research to back this up it's just gut feeling based on what i've seen is so brian o'halloran he's been the gm under hein bloom he was technically the gm uh hein bloom was the chief baseball officer above that but brian o'halloran's been with the team for years um through a lot of things so obviously he's a big part of the franchise he was offered a, a senior um role in the front office as a baseball operations guy, assuming he's going to take that. So he's, he's going to be very high up there. So I could definitely see kind of like a duo where they have um, Brian O'Halloran and then another guy, and they kind of both have that role. I don't think it's going to be one set guy. All right. This is the guy that's in charge of everything. I think that the, the way the game is trending, the way the front offices are trending, it'll probably be some made up role again, like how they made up chief baseball officer and how like Veritex, the, the quality control analyst guy or whatever, um, I could definitely see that happening. But uh, I mean, I, I still I still like the position we're in. I don't think that bringing in a guy like Dave Dombrowski is even the, the right call. I think whatever they're about to do is more of the path that makes sense because you don't want to lose all of your prospects here. You don't want the guy to come in and be like, all right, Marcelo Meyer, you're gone. Sedan Raffaella, you're gone. Let's bring in some veteran guys. No, you want to keep these guys and you want them to be a part of your future. Um, so yeah, again, I like the position we're in a lot. Yeah. And, and you're definitely right. Um, you know, Heim Bloom and Dave Dombrowski are complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I think that's another reason why they went to, or went to the complete opposite end. Yeah. Uh, when they hired Heim just to, we've talked about this extensively in the past, right. but let's go less he, extreme. I want to yeah. say, I would say find somewhere in the middle, but I'd, I'd want someone more towards the Dave Nabrowski type, like pushing that side a little bit. So I've always thought that like it's easier to spend the money because all you're doing is evaluating these free agents and negotiating the contracts because the talent is already proven. Like, so to Heim's credit, he's a, you know, he's a very good prospect manager, very good at identifying talent from a young age, which yeah. is very difficult. So, you know, it, if we're on that spectrum, Dombrowski and Bloom on opposite ends, I would honestly lean more towards. Maybe you're right. It's 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 tough because it's a good point. Obviously, you need someone to come in and spend that money, but not spend it like Charrington did with Pablo and Hanley. Like that's that's when you see the flaws in having an analytical guy spend the money like that. Um. You know what? You know what? I, I originally agreed with you, but now I don't know. I think that the ability to spend money 
is just as difficult as the ability to scout young talent because it's similar. You're scouting. So say a guy is 27 years old or 28 years old, and you're thinking about, okay, is this guy going to be a valuable contributor to our team for the next three years, six years, nine years, when you're deciding how much of a contract to give him? Um, And then you get caught, if you make a bad decision, you get caught in a bad contract. Like as Boston fans, we've seen plenty of those, Pablo Sandoval, Carl Crawford, uh, some would say David Price, Chris Sale right now, you could argue. So I think it's just as hard deciding, is this player worth this amount of money? And is this player worth this amount of years? So you can go either way on the, the Heim Bloom to Dave Dombrowski scale. Yeah, you make a very good point. Um, obviously, there is a lot more risk to free agency. That's kind of the yeah. trade-off. There's more risk, but you have more resources as opposed to pro- prospects. There's less, you know, there's more risk or um, not as much risk, but because you're bringing in a higher volume of guys. Yeah. But the way that the organization is set up, it seems like Heim's the only one gone. So the structure of building that prospect field is still there. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got their advanced scouts. They got their analytic guys like Heim Bloom being gone. I don't think is going to impact their advanced exactly. scouting that much. Exactly. Because from the time he got here, I believe they added like 30 something like analysts yes, for the front expanded office, analytics people. So that's another good impact that he left. Like, yeah, he, he got this organization to evolve, to get up to speed with the rest of the game, which is really important, even maybe ahead of the game. Um, but it's nice. Like, obviously a lot of needs this off season, you're going to need someone someone radical like Theo when he first got this job, someone who's go, who's willing to put, I can't say that, someone willing to risk it all, not to the extent of Dombrowski, but to the extent of not being afraid to pull the trigger on a big move, on a big trade, yeah. not being afraid to, because you, it, in sports, you can't win every trade. That's the, like, that's the basis of trading. You're not going to win every single one. That's why there are winners and losers of trades. Heim Bloom yeah. was afraid to lose a trade. You need guys who are, because for every trade you lose is another trade you win. You just got to manipulate it in the right places. You got to trade from big pools of assets to fill needs on the current day team. So like we said, a lot of prospects in block positions, a lot of those corner infielders, a lot of those middle infielders. Let's turn them into outfielders. Let's turn them into pitching. Let's let's develop this team. Let's plug these holes and let's get a good team on the field for next year. Yeah, Absolutely. I think one thing that um, Red Sox fans are probably nervous about, especially after the past few years, is are they actually going to do it? Are the Boston Red Sox actually going to commit to spending money or trading prospects? Like Just because Heim Bloom's gone, does that mean that ownership is going to actually be okay doing that stuff? And there are three things to me that point me in the direction that, yes, they are going to be willing to do that. Number one, they extended Rafael Devers. They gave him over $300 million, and they said that, all right, This is our cornerstone player. This is the core guy in our team. We want him here for the next decade. And they did that. They actually went out and they gave him that deal, which we weren't sure if they were going to be able to do. That's a great sign right there. Another great sign to me is they gave Trevor Story money and they gave Masataka Yoshida money. The fact that last offseason they went out and they signed this unproven guy from Japan who had great numbers out there and they signed him to what some executives thought was too much money. Look how that turned out. He's looking great right now. Um, 
it, it turned out to be a great deal and they were willing to take that risk. A rebuilding team wouldn't take that risk um, related to the rebuilding thing. Number three, this trade deadline, they decided to not rebuild. They didn't go out and they didn't trade away James Paxton or Adam Duvall or Alex Verdugo. They kept those guys and they're like, all right, we're not a rebuilding team. We think we can win. Maybe not this season, but next season. And they kept those guys. That is another sign to me that says that they want to win. Yeah. And I think the fact that they pulled the trigger on firing Bloom is a reason is another reason why ownership wants to win. Like, like we've called it into question in the past. We've said to sell the team, but the fact that they were, they were tired of it. They were not okay with the constant losing that they they were willing to make the move and fire the guy. There was a year left on the deal. Like I said, I thought that they were just going to ride it out and whatever, just, you know, write out the contract, let it expire, then go from there. But they didn't, which is, I think, encouraging to me. Yeah. Like it, it's clear that, and John Henry was in the house today, had the conversation it, it's a good sign to me. It shows that they're fed up of, you know, possibly last place in three of the last four years and just not, not getting well, the definitely job. missing the playoffs three of the last four years. There yeah, you know, exactly. There's that, and, you know, the farther away we get from 2021, the more we realize that it was <laughs> a bit fluky, a little bit as fun as bit. it was a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but um, I've never seen such a cult following of a red <laughs> GM like Heim Bloom, and I'm really over. I'm so happy it's over because, like, it at times it made Red Sox Twitter just absolutely unbearable. Yeah, but look, they're not going to disappear. Like, if Heim Bloom goes elsewhere, or if we get off to a slow start la- next year, they're going to be like, oh, no, we wouldn't. This Heim Bloom would be in first place right now. Heim Bloom, Heim Bloom, Heim yeah, Bloom would have yeah, done yeah. this. The only there time always be there. Place, only time we'd be in first place with Heim Bloom is day one of the season where everyone starts in first place. Yeah, before the game is played. <laughs> exactly. So I'm happy about it. Yeah. Um, there's before just we wrap up. Going to this offseason. Yeah. That's my final thought. Before we wrap up, I just want to recognize for a second Sedan Raffaella. Uh, dude had his first career major league homer the other day off the Yankees, and it was a bomb into the monster seats over the monsters. Did it go over the monster seats? It was yeah. like 440 or something feet. It was crazy. Um, and then he had another homer just a few minutes ago today in the Yankee in the game. Are we still playing the Yankees? I don't even know what's going on with the team. Yeah, yeah, this- yeah. They just won. <laughs> They're one and zero in the post. There we go. There, there we go. go. Undefeated. Um, but yeah, Rafaela. I, I love I'm falling in love with him more by every game that I see him play. Um, and I'm you said trade him. I'm not on that train. No, no, Sorry. no. I, I'm eating my words. <laughs> I'm eating my words. He He's a stud. He's um, awesome. He, he does swing a lot. I know that some people on the Red Sox Twitter are really like they're like his plate approach is not major league caliber, whatever. Let the, the kids play. Let him swing the ball. The ball that he hit off the monster was six inches inside it, yeah it was a ball it was a good pitch it was so far inside his hands are just that quick he was able to let him swing up. let him very swing. that's mookie style, style. mookie style yes, sir. same hey they got the same batting stance play uh, hey, play the same positions too to, yeah and also shout out will your abreu 
He's yes. fantastic. Love they, to see like, um, Love to know, see the young um, guys producing already. It's awesome. Exactly. And shout out to Cora for actually playing them every day now. Yes, I think good. the reason that he wasn't when last time we did a pod, we called it into question. It was kind of because they were holding out hope on trying to make that last wild card spot. And when another thing they threw Paxton on the aisle, whatever, he sucks. He's cooked. <laughs> um, like by doing that, they kind of waved the white flag. They realized, yeah, we're not a playoff team this year. So it's yeah. nice to see the kids playing. Most of the days, it's kind of weird that they sent Valdez down, whatever. Um, but it's it's nice to see that we've potentially discovered two starting outfielders in the month of September for next it's great year. Great to see. It's like great we to said, see. there's going to be a lot of flexibility in that outfield next year, and whether they're all here is another question. Like maybe a guy like Jaron Duran is available for trade. I'm not saying to trade That's him. That's the thing, though. That's you, the thing. You got, you got options. You got options. That's a beautiful thing. As Dan exactly. Secrecy says, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to end it. It is a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, our next episode, we'll, we'll dive into what the new GM should do, what the offseason is going to look like, what we want to see happen. Um, but for now, the Bloom era is over. The new era of the Boston Red Sox is here, and it's a beautiful thing. Let's be optimistic, um, and we'll see you next time on the In the Dugout podcast. Peace.